What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trail Blazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. Plus, it's available five days a week, free on all platforms. So why not make it your first listen every single day? Make it a part of your daily routine. Tell your pals to do the same, and then by lunchtime, you'll have something to talk about because it's always free on every platform you're looking for us. Today's show is a mailbag episode. Got a couple listener-submitted questions that we are going to roll through and try to make sense of the biggest stories around the Blazers right now. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag episode, there are two ways to do it. Tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich. Uh, These can get lost in the fray, so it helps if you tag it as mailbag, um, but the best way to send in a a mailbag question is to email me, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Typically, when I do this, I will send out a tweet soliciting questions. And if you respond to that tweet, you'll get in the show. Uh, I didn't send one out today, so you didn't miss it in case you were looking for one. But again, the email address lockdownblazerspod.gmail.com is the best way to do that. Speaking of that, an email I got from listener Ari asks, The Blazers have been connected to just about every big-name free agent and trade target recently. As a fan, this is both exciting in its novelty, but also a little challenging to parse out what is real and what is clickbait. As a reporter, how do you decide which rumors are worth covering? This is a good question. Not because, like, you... Here's how I I make my choices. (laughs) I, I produce a lot of Trailblazers content, and if something has teeth, I will I will talk about it even if I think it's nonsense. But I will specifically state that it's nonsense. But I think the like the 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 real sort of challenge of this, the real art of this, is is what I try to do here on the podcast. Um, not that like I'm this like you know have some special skill, but a, a lot of times, if you're a regular listener, and I believe you are, Ari, and and many of your fellow listeners will know that like. How I try to approach these things is say, okay, here's how it all works. Here's how the math works. Here's how the sort of, um, here's here's how those sort of functions of the CBA and the league would work. Let's logic it out. Let's walk through the logic. So then I take sort of the logic I know from being, you know, around the team and around the league and, and try to get to what seems like the most logical outcome. I'm not a big news breaker. That's never been my thing. Uh, even when I worked for the newspaper for however long, four or five years covering the team, like that that's not where my strength is. My strength is sort of like synthesizing the, the content and making it, um, making taking the context and making it easier for you to digest. So some of that of how I approach the rumor stuff is, is thinking about it logically. So let's take the biggest rumors that are out there for the Blazers right now and try to make sense of them, shall we? Because I think this exercise will help us not only answer the question, is it real, but why is it maybe not real? So, uh, the Blazers have been connected by Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer and um, a couple others, but specifically Kevin O'Connor and I believe Jake Fisher of, of Bleach Report had, has, had reported something similar in the past, is that the Blazers have been uh, considered a destination for free agents, uh, for, for soon-to-be free agent Zach Levine, and potentially for could-be free agent if he opts out of his contract, Brad Beal. I haven't touched the Brad Beal stuff. And I, while I did spend a little bit of time on the, I spent, you know, the majority of an episode on the Zach Levine stuff, the, the logic I got to was like, this doesn't seem very likely. And so that is a lot of how I would cover, like, what what do I, the reason we didn't, like, when O'Connor reported that earlier this week, the reason we didn't, uh, you know, do a whole episode on it again is because I find it very unlikely. And so 
using the sort of logic points, this is how I make how I make the decisions of sort of what to bring you, dear listener. One, we've already talked a little about Zach Levine, and it's it just doesn't make sense. The Blazers, if they were going to outright sign Zach Levine, would have to uh, renounce basically all of their useful tools to improve the roster and probably choose between dropping one of Yusuf Nurkic or Josh Hart to do so, to outright sign Zach Levine. That doesn't seem very valuable. And then Dame, Ant, and Zach Levine is like not a good three-man core. Just straight up a bad fit for for um, the modern NBA, for for every era of the NBA, it's not a good fit. It's a lot of talent, but it's not a very good fit. So like outright signing Zach Levine in free agency seems like a non-starter. Seems just like it is not a path the Blazers would go down because they, they would lose their depth, lose some depth. They would lose their uh, traded player exception that it's like one of their best tools to get better. They use, they'd lose, uh, you know, part of the likely a portion of their mid-level exception because of, of ended up being a, a below the cap team to get there first and they, they would lose that exception. So all of the sort of tools that they have to improve the roster, they would they would sacrifice in order to get Levine, a guy who doesn't fit next to their players. So then the most likely way that they would get Zach Levine is a sign and trade with Anthony Simons. That seems like the most reasonable the reasonable way that, that the, the roster would be balanced and the Blazers could end up with free, you know, big name free agent target. Certainly that's a possibility. The math works. There is some logic to it. Uh, Zach Levine is better than Anthony Simons. It would be an upgrade. But is he so much better that it would be worth that? I don't think so. And couldn't you just pay Anthony Simons a little bit less than Zach Levine, maybe even a lot of bit less, like $15 million less than Levine's max contract will be and end up with a pretty similar player? Or even if he's worse, like even if Ant doesn't blossom, right? Even if Ant doesn't blossom, at least you haven't, like, you're still kind of have not unloaded all of your assets to get there. You can still trade Amphrey Simons. You can still all do all these things. Like it just doesn't seem logical that the Blazers would do that. And then you look at the, the Brad Beal stuff. Like Brad has a, a player option and he can opt out. Damon Lord and Brad Beal are like legitimately friends. Um, so, so there's like, there's some, I'm sure that there is some sort of vague interest in that happening. But again, you get back to the logic. Uh, if if Beal opts out, you end up in the, sort of the same boat as Zach Levine. You're talking sacrificing assets or ant sign and trade. Did the Blazers really tear this thing down, trade CJ McCollum and all of their other useful parts to pair Dame and Brad Beal to run 15% better CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard? Hell no, they did not do that. So it just, neither of those seem likely. So then, as you continue to use your reporter brain, why is this stuff out there? Why is this real? One, it could happen. The math exists that it could happen. And if you find a team... That is both, you know, logically could be connected to big name free agents. Damon Lord wants to win and has a path to get there, a reasonable path to, to create cap space or acquire these players. It can behoove other franchises or the representation of Zach Levine and Brad Beal saying, hey, there's suitors out there. You're going to have to pay up if you want it to happen. It's a way to drive up. It's not even, I mean, Zach Levine's going to get the max, so I don't know if he's driving up his asking price, but maybe if it was a near max situation for Levine, creating a little bit of chaos helps. Like there's some value in in uh, Zach Levine having suitors on the market that are real. Um, it, same with same with the Bradley Beal situation. Like I, to me, this, this, I don't know if it reeks of this, quote unquote, but it, it kind of suggests that um, 
there's other motivations for why this news would be out there. And that's part of how I approach this. Why is this news being reported now in June? Sure, there's logic there. Sure, it could happen. But it also is helpful to some of the parties involved. And that is kind of the logic with how I parse through what what uh, rumors I think need are valuable and we need to walk through them. And what rumors I just say... Okay, that's interesting reporting from Kevin O'Connor. Let's keep it moving. And that's what I did until you asked. And then I spent seven and a half minutes kind of debunking it. Uh, just quickly before we move on is I, I think another way to, um, as you're trying to parse what's real and what isn't real, is, is to look very closely at who breaks the news and how they break it. Most of the news around the Blazers since Joe Cronin has taken over, all of the the biggest news uh, surrounding team decisions, has come from Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, the C.J. McCollum trade, I believe, was broken by The Athletic, but that is, you know, a, involving a second team. The, like, in-house stuff, the hiring and firing of folks has happened from Woj. Uh, that suggests to me that Woj is connected within the Blazers organization, and so follow what closely what Woj writes, and when he writes about the Blazers, follow even more closely what he doesn't write. That's my advice to you. That's how you parse through the rumors or even start to get real comfortable wearing a tinfoil hat is reading ESPN closely for the names and the folks that are not mentioned as loudly as the ones who are by one of the great news, you know, one of the most powerful news breakers in the sports industry and Adrian Wojnarowski, a dude who's been doing it forever and is like a very important part of the NBA ecosystem at that. All right, second segment, I got more questions as we kind of wade our way through the biggest Blazers headlines. But first, I want to tell you about Sakara. It's a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Sakara gives you the tools you need to transform your life with their organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. Their nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients, helping boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered directly to your door. And right now, Sakara is offering my listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter the code locked on 20 at checkout. That's sakara, S A K A R A dot com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order, sakara.com slash locked on 20. All right. Let's keep it rolling with another question on this glorious Mailbag Monday. This next one, it's not Mailbag Monday. I'm recording this on a Tuesday evening. This is a Mailbag Wednesday. Special delivery Mailbag Wednesday in your in your, in your your ear holes. Or if you're watching on YouTube, also in your eye holes. Uh, this next question comes from... I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm a podcaster. This next question comes from Alex who asks, Do you think trading the number seven pick for OG Ananobi is good process? Now, this is the end of like a 400-word email Alex sent me. And I responded to Alex, and we went back and forth a little bit. And I said, I'll try to turn this into a mailbag question. I'm not going to read all 400 words. This is, a, this is bite-sized content. It's daily podcast. We kind of crank it out in under a half hour so you can keep it moving. Uh, but if you do want to send me a book, full-on book report, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. That's where you send it. Alex, I, I appreciate, uh, appreciate the thoughtful note you sent me. This question gets at kind of the core of what the Blazers' decisions they have to make here in the coming months. 
It has been rumored that the Blazers are interested in trading for OG Ananobi, uh, first reported by Jake Fisher of uh, Bleach Report, and since a couple other people have confirmed at least that that OG is thought to be available for the right asking price. However, the asking price seems high. And in the Bleach Report article first published by Jake, or written by Jake Fisher, not first published, just straight up published by Jake Fisher, uh, Jake suggested that the asking price would start with number seven and Josh Hart, and then maybe have to be expanded from there. And I said, hey, if you can just do seven and Josh Hart for OG and Anobi, I probably would do it. And some of you said, hell yeah, Mike, tell him. And some of you said, Mike, are you the dumbest person on earth? And I think that's sort of beautiful combination of my listeners. One, I appreciate all y'all. The ones who think it's the dumbest thing on earth and the ones who are uh, right there waving their pom-poms with me. Uh, it's... It, it kind of gets at this core question, and it's a thing that I've talked about a lot on this podcast, is that the Blazers have to have good process. Like, I thought the C.J. McCollum trade was pretty good process. You try to trade C.J. McCollum and get a top 10 pick in the draft. You don't take any long-term money back that isn't named D.D. Luzada. You get Josh Hart, who's on an incredibly team-friendly deal and is just a good basketball player. Uh, I didn't think the Blazers would be able to trade C.J. McCollum for a first-round pick. I didn't think they'd be able to trade him for an NBA-level starter. I thought they'd have to take back bad money to get rid of him. I thought it was pretty good process, right? Terrible results. (laughs) Terrible results. Throwing Larry Nance in there is a bummer, but I guess that's just the price of doing business. But the results were bad. I thought the process was good. Uh, If You might disagree. Many of you have told me as much. But that same approach, like good process, and then so let's see if the results take care of themselves like you uh will will be kind of the guiding principle for how I look at the rest of the summer and the rest of the off season. And Alex was wondering if that is my guiding principle, how can I say that trading 7, a top 10 pick in the draft for OG Ananobi who tops out as a very very good role player, like a high-end role player, and Josh Hart who is a high-end role player, or is like a darn good role player, also tops out as a high-end role player. How is that good process? And I think I agree. Like, I think I agree. I think if you are in a, the the sort of square one stage of team building, trading a top 10 pick for a role player and having to give away another like contributor, a, a, a player who contribute on every good team in the league and Josh Hart. Yeah, that that's like, that is bad process. But I think the question for the Blazers, and I think the, the place they find themselves is they're not in the beginning cycle of team building. They are in a strange place they've backed themselves into, uh, in part because of the Neil Olshay years kind of like doubling and tripling down on trading draft picks for role players, and in part because there is real pressure from Damian Lillard to get good, and the Blazers tore it down, created all this financial flexibility to give them some avenues to get good. So that gets to the sort of theoretical part of this question. Is it, if the process when you're just sort of building a team is saying, hey, just take seven, just make the pick at seven. I think I've said that a bunch in this podcast. I'll say it again now. I think the best move is just to take the take the pick at seven, draft a rookie and get it right and have AJ Griffin or Jeremy Sohan or Keegan Murray or Shaden Sharp or whoever it might be, like have them turn into a star. That's your best path forward. I, I think that's true. But it also might require a level of patience that's not available to the Blazers because of the the place they back themselves into. So does that change what good process means? I think it does a little bit. 
For me, the best process for the Blazers would to turn seven into multiple things. So that would be to trade to trade back in the draft and get a draft pick and a veteran. For, for me, that's the best process. But taking someone at 13 when you could have taken someone at seven is maybe bad process, right? So I don't have an answer to this. I didn't have an answer when Alex emailed me. And I don't have an answer now as I, I sort of talk through all of the theoretical, like, theories behind how to build an NBA winner. I don't know what good process looks like because the Blazers, if they get it wrong and Dame ends up asking out, which I don't think he will, at least in the near term, but I think it could be something that happens into the future. If if the Blazers find themselves where they screwed up this summer because they took a rookie and that upset the and the rookie didn't pan out and that upset the star and then the star asks out and it's public and they have to trade him and all these things, does that does that does a messy teardown or a blow up mean that the process was bad to get there? I don't think so. I think that's an okay process and bad results. But if your process allows you to get closer to being competitive, is like. I guess that's the question. Does the drafting a player at seven get you closer to comp- to being in the NBA Finals, to winning the West and being in the Finals, or does trading for the right role player give you a shot with Dame, one of the best players in franchise history, a, a chance of winning the West and making the NBA Finals? What gets you closer? And is one of those moves is trading for the OG Ananobi, like we you know like we've discussed, or Jeremy Grant or John Collins or whoever it might be. Like, is that better process or is it just kicking the can down the road in a different direction? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to sit here and pretend like I have like a, I have, I have some thoughts on this and I'm trying to kind of share them with you here in a kind of uh, a more amorphous style, thoughtful podcast than maybe I've had recently. We've been pretty news heavy. So I thought I'd change it up a little bit. But I don't know the answer. Like, I don't know what good process looks like for this stage of the Blazers. I don't know what a good approach is. I know if they were in a different stage, what I'd think. But I don't know. I don't have an answer. I hope as we work through this, Alex and the rest of my listeners, I hope we can kind of, if we don't come to a consensus, we can come to like at least what I think my answer is. And then the people who agree and the people who yell at me can just do what they do. But right now I can sit here and say, honestly, I don't know. Speaking of not knowing, let's come back in the third segment. I got stuff I know. Uh, I want to tell you about Bet Online before we get there, though. More more lines, more props, more odds than ever before. You want to bet on the NBA Finals? Well, if you're listening to this show on Wednesday when it comes out, Game 3 is tonight. If you don't want to bet on that, still got the Eastern Conference uh, Finals of the NHL playoffs. We've, we got tennis tournaments. We got golf coming up. There's uh, soccer all over the North American continent with the NWLS and the MLS. Get in on the action. Go to Bet Online. Don't wait. Take advantage today. That's Bet Online where the game starts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. I have tried to wade through the biggest stories. The Zach Levine rumors, the OG Ananobi stuff. I got a simpler question. That's maybe harder to answer. Dallas Stamper at Dallas Stamper on Twitter asks, Chances that Portland drafts at seven, are they greater or less than 30%. Great lines. Bet online would be proud of you, Dallas. Wonderful line. I'm going to go less. And it 
feeds back into what we just talked about in the second, what I just talked about, you just listen to. This is a one-way conversation for now. Uh, unless you email me, lockdownblazerspot at gmail.com. Portland does not have a lot of avenues to get better. This connects to the whole show. The first segment, we talked about why it's hard for them. While they can create cap space, they are a team that could could be a cap space team. Absolutely. It's possible for them to, to, to you know, dump Nurk and dump Josh Hart and et cetera, et cetera, and, and end up with a max cap slot and, and be able to sign a big name free agent. And that's, you know, that's offering DeAndre Ayton or offering Zach Levine. They have that avenue for sure. It's not a very appealing one. And then they've got some other avenues, like the traded player exception they got in the CJ McCollum trade was so they can acquire someone, a singular person or two, two persons, uh, up to 21 million bucks, basically. Got some other smaller traded player exceptions for six and three and a half. They 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 they, they have some tools. They got the mid level exception. Uh, if they are comfortable getting the, being hard capped, which I don't think they are, we don't think they should be. They could use the biannual exception as well. Like they they've got some. They have the sort of basic above the cap tools plus this big trade exception to get better, right? Like they got some avenues if they don't want to be a cap team. And I think they're going to operate as above the cap team because you keep those exceptions, so you have more. You have more. Uh, more flexibility, more options to, to to pursue roster upgrades. They've also got the number seven pick in the draft, the number 36 pick in the draft, and then the second to last pick in the draft at 57. Uh, they've, I don't think they're going to end up with three rookies, but seven is pretty much their biggest chip because uh, Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic are, entering free agency. So they could be like the Blazers could use them to upgrade the roster via sign in trades, but you can't really do that around the draft because a sign in trade Ant and Nurk would have to agree with the team that they're going to, to sign. And then you consummate the trade. And like, you can't really do that at the draft and then pretend like it happened early in free agency. Like that is a whole nother level of circumventing the CBA. So like the, the, the draft pick kind of stands alone from the sign and trade stuff so seven on draft night is kind of their biggest first shot to upgrade the roster and it and they will have to do so without um without using some of their other bigger assets the the dangling and nurk in a sign and trade and potentially dangling and the sign and trade something i don't think that will happen for all of those reasons and because the Blazers want to get better, because Dame wants to be competitive, he does not. He wants to be a team that is like comfortably in the playoffs and and has you know dreams for more. Really, the West is really brutal. Comfortably in the playoffs is asking a lot. But like, if you're one of the eight or nine best teams in the West, you'll have a puncher's chance. Uh, I don't think the Blazers can jump into the top three unless something really fun happens this summer. But like, they could be you know five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No prop. Um, some prop. <laughs> they, they need some. They need a lot more players. But I think it's very realistic that they're competitive against next year. But one of the ways they get competitive is trading seven. Like just straight up. Like that's that's where it starts. So for that reason, Dallas, I think the 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 answer to your question is is under thirty percent that they use their pick at seven. I hope they use a pick in the draft because I think adding a rookie to this roster would be valuable for wh- where they want to go. Even though they have a ton of young guys in the back half of the roster, or at least a handful uh like i think they will end up trading seven i think they'll end up trading seven for a veteran 
I hope they end up trading back and get a veteran and a draft pick, but I think they will trade seven. So I think it's a less than 30% chance that they make their pick at seven. They might, the way like trade rules work, the Blazers might be on the clock at seven, but the trade might be, the deal, that pick might be promised away or they'll get a trade done later on draft night. Um, They can't trade their pick before the draft, but they can agree to a trade before the draft, make the pick and then trade the draft rights to the player. That's how the Stepien rule works. So yeah, I'll give it under 30%. I'll go less. I'm with you, Dallas. And it's for all the reasons we discussed and for all the avenues that we discussed in this podcast and for for the Blazers' real need to get better and to be, to use my term, to have a good process. And part of that good process might be trading seven for something that helps the team and they can grow grow along with it. It's why I'm kind of in favor of the OG Anobi trade. He's young and he's good. And sure, he's had a ton of injury problems, but his peak is like exactly what the Blazers need. I would be in favor of it. Some of you might not. Some of you, like Alex, might think it's just straight up bad process. And I would agree with you, except for the reality of where the Blazers are and what their sort of stated goals are. And what failing coming short of those stated goals might mean. So yeah, I think the Blazers trade their pick on draft night. I don't think anything has changed to, to, to make me think otherwise. And I don't think the Blazers are... I think their goals are, are clear. They want to add veteran talent to help Damian Lillard be competitive right away. So that might mean dealing seven. In fact... For my money, it means almost certainly dealing seven. And we will talk about what process means in the future. That's going to do it for today's show. Uh, come back at the end of the week. Friday, we've got a fun guest who's going to join the program, talk about a little, give us a little insight into sort of how the Blazers approach uh, draft season. I think I, I, really worth your time. Uh, make sure you check it out. Uh, this is Wednesday show. We've got another show Thursday. We'll, we'll talk about draft rumors and, and all things Blazers as we lead up to the draft. We are two weeks away and moving in quick. So come back and join us. Tell your friends to do the same. Free on all platforms, five days a week, wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. So make it your first listen every single day. Tell your friends to do the same. Then you have something to chit chat about on your lunch break. As promised, we're right back there at your lunch break. Have something to chat about. Have something to text your pals and make it be locked on Blazers. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.